thing. I want to I bring a conclusion, I believe, to this series, uh, your end time survival guide. Oh, yes. Thank you. Stop, pause. Let me just say this. Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night will be our last Wednesday night out here. We come together every Wednesday. We've been coming together every Wednesday at 7. So this coming Wednesday night, please be with us because what we're going to do this Wednesday, it's a total praise and prayer service. That's what we're doing. We're going to worship Jesus and then we're going to press into prayer. We're going to be praying uh, for all kinds of needs, praying over our city, praying for revival. But but in, excuse me. most importantly, what we are going to do is we're going to pray for our children who are starting back to school. So whether you have children that are going to public school, private school, or homeschool, we want to invite everybody to bring their children, maybe bring your grandchildren, and we want to pray over all these kids because they're going into, how I many you know, it's a war zone out there. And so we want to pray a blessing over our children. We're going to lay our hands on them in a loving way, and we're going to pray them, uh, pray for them. And so come out and be with us. Thank you for reminding me. Sorry about that. Uh, but it's going to be a great time of uh, prayer and praise this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'll see you there. And really mean it. Oh, thank you, Julie. I get dry up here in this outdoor weather. So when we talk about the end times, people can get kind of carried away with all kinds of speculation. And I think also it's one of those topics that you can become divided over the interpretation. And uh, so everybody has a different point of view when you start talking about the end times. But some people are just, they kind of just get afraid of what's going on and fear comes. But God doesn't want us to be scared. He wants us to be prepared. And so in these end times, we've been talking about the survival guide. And first of all, we talked about discerning the times. Jesus wants us to be aware of what's going on and what will be going on at the season or at the time of his coming. No man knows the day or the hour. It's not up to us to figure that out. We don't have to consume our energies or our thoughts around that. But of, this, but of the times and the seasons, the Apostle Paul said, I don't even need to talk to you. Why? Because Jesus already told us everything that's going to be going on. And so just be aware. Just be alert. And I believe that we are living in those end times. It feels like to me it's the last days of the last days. That's what it feels like. And uh, so we talked about discerning the times. Last week I talked about being rapture ready. And whether you're a pre-tribulational person that believes that Jesus will become before the tribulation or post-tribulation or as my good theologian friend uh, in the back, uh, Jim, Jim Cross, he's a pan-tribulationist. What does that mean? It means it'll all pan out in the end. I'm not pre, I'm not post, I'm pan. Here's what I know, Jim says, this great theologian of ours here, sitting in our midst today, says to us, it's all going to work out in the end. And it will work out in the end. So as I said to you last week, if you don't want to be pre-tribulational, take your pick. I'm going on the first train out of here. Amen. Anyway. 
So with this in mind today, I, I want to talk about speeding or speed the coming of Jesus Christ. That's the title of my message today, Speeding His Return. And I want to come out of 2 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to begin at verse 8. So follow along as I read this aloud to you. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, or He's not slow about fulfilling His promises, as some count slackness or slowness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How many are you glad that Jesus waited on you? Come on, can I get a good amen out there? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Basically what he's saying is, the world as we know it, the world as we know it will not continue on forever. There's going to come an end to it. It's not a burning or a fire of destruction, but it's a, it's a fire of purification. God is going to make all things new. Amen? Verse 11, he says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So I want you to look at verse 12 again. He says, looking for and hastening, everybody say hasten, hastening the coming day, so the New Living Translation says verse 12 like this, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. I like that. Hurry it up. The NIV says it like this, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. So I want to talk about this today. This is the word of the Lord, and so let's pray right now. Father, thank you for your presence in this place. God, you are so good. Thank you, Lord, over these last weeks, God, that we've had this time to share together. And I pray today, Lord, that as we hear the word about these last times that we're living in, that, God, you will speak directly to our hearts and that you will say to each and every one of us exactly what we need to hear to get ourselves moving in your direction. And, Lord, we just love your presence. We need you in this place. I need you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody says amen. amen. So, I think that's a pretty staggering statement that Peter makes. He implies that on the one hand, God has delayed his return. The Lord has delayed his return because he wants as many people to come to him and to believe upon him, to be saved from their lost condition. So he's waiting and he says, God's not slow. Check it out. In the NIV, he says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Okay? So he's not slow. But then a few verses later, Peter says, so let's speed up the coming of the Lord. 
That's what he says. And it seems like a mystery here to me. It seems like, man, how do you wrap your head around this? I, I, it, it, can we actually, is there a way that we can hasten the coming of the Lord or actually hurry it along? Some people might say, well, God has already has a day already picked out. He already knows. Didn't Jesus say that no man knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only? Jesus said that, right? And so people would say, well, doesn't God already have a day picked out? Well, listen to what it says there. He says, my Father knows the day. Now, God being God, he's omniscient. There's not anything he can't know already. He already knows everything, and yet at the same time, it appears as if Peter is saying, God is waiting, but let's hurry it along. Like, God knows the day. It's not necessarily that he's predetermined a day, but that he knows when it's all going to come to an end, but he is largely working in and through the body of Christ in the earth today, you and me. I really believe this because we see this throughout Scripture. Remember when the Lord brought the children of Israel, he delivered them out of Egyptian bondage. And I I can't really remember, it was a year, maybe two years after that, the Lord brought them to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And he told them then, I want you to go in and possess the land. And these guys had a brainiac idea. Let's send 12 spies into the land to make sure that it's what God said it was. And when they came out, 10 out of the 12 spies said, we can't go into the land. God brought them there to bring them into the land. But 10 out of the 12 said, we can't go into the land and got the whole nation in an uproar. And they all turned their back on the plan of God. And they didn't take possession of what God brought them there to take possession of. Do you see how God works largely with our response, with our activity, with our movement? If we go, he goes. If we don't go, what can he do? Amen. Now, when I get screechy, that means the anointing has come on me. Amen. I have to tell myself that. So... Another time, God told Jonah to go into Nineveh, to preach to them, to tell them. This is what God said. Tell them because they're so godless and so evil that I'm going to destroy them as a nation. I want you to go to that city and tell them. Long story short, Jonah finally went to Nineveh, and he preached to them. And what did those evil, ungodly people do? They repented of their sin and turned to God, and you know what God did? He pulled back his judgment. What I'm trying to show you is is that God works with our obedience and our response to him. When we move, he moves. I want to remind you what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. We are together co-laborers with Christ. As I work, Jesus is working. As I'm loving, Jesus is loving. As I'm healing, Jesus is healing. As I'm going, Jesus is going. And if I don't do anything, then Jesus can't do anything through me. And we can impede the progress of the gospel. And I know if I don't do what God has called me to do, I know the Lord can go right around me and find somebody else who will do it. How many of you believe that? 
But think of it like this, collectively, as a church, as the kingdom of God in the earth today. If the church, by and large, becomes lukewarm, or loses their first love, or compromises the truth of God's word, we can slow down the movement of God in the earth. But if we fall passionately in love with Jesus, and if we stick to the truth of God's word, and if we're busy doing the will of God in the earth, then I believe, as Peter is suggesting, that we can, in fact, speed the Lord's return. Hallelujah. And so today I want to talk to us about getting our act together and getting our spiritual rear in gear. Amen. So I want to talk about speeding the Lord's return. So I've got five simple ideas that I want to encourage us. How can we speed the Lord's return? And first of all, I'm just coming right out of 2 Peter here, and then I'll come out of 1 Peter in a moment. Number one, we all need to live differently. Church, Jesus has not called us to be oddballs or weirdos, but we are different. Come on. We are to be different. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 11 says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved because the world is coming to an end and the world as we know it is not going to go on forever, because of this, what manner of persons ought we to be in holy conduct and in godliness? And that word Manner in the original language. Listen to what it's in the classical Greek. Where's my where's my power? Hello. Am I on? Okay. I don't like people shutting me down. No, I'm joking. He said the word manner, the word manner in the uh classical Greek language literally is translated exotic, out of this world, foreign different. What kind of exotic, out of this world, foreign, different people we should be? You're exotic. Go ahead. Tell somebody that. You are exotic. Peter is saying, look folks, we don't talk like the world. We don't act like the world. We don't have attitudes like the world. We don't have ideology like the world. We don't live like the world. We're different. And our difference is in holy conduct. You've been made holy through the blood of Jesus. Peter then said, because you've been made holy, then you are to be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. You're different. The word holy means to be set apart, set apart for the purpose of God. You are not living for yourself, and you're not living according to the philosophies of this age. You live according to the word of God, and the nature of God, and the character of God. You're holy. So he says, act like it. Amen. You need to act like it. You need to start making choices that reflect God's holy and pure and set apart nature. We need to be godly. Everybody say godly. In all godliness. That word godly means to look like God. In word, in deed, and in attitude. Every time we see something in the script. Not, not every time, but 
the majority of the time, if you go through the scriptures and study this out for yourself, and you go to uh, Bible da- Bible Gate- got BibleGateway.com, I'll, I'll get my act together here. If you go there and punch in the coming, the appearing, the returning of the Lord, and look at the context of all those scriptures, predominantly within the context of all the scriptures that talk about the Lord, it also talks about how our lives should reflect His coming. Predominantly. So the motivating factor behind the coming of the Lord is for you and I to get our act together. To align our actions and our lifestyle around what we say we believe. There is a direct link between your conviction about the Lord and your conduct for Him. Amen. Can I get a good amen out there? Listen, Paul said in the last days there's going to come perilous times. And among all the things that he listed, he said, there will be people who have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And he said, from such people, get away from them. Don't play around with pretenders. Don't be a pretender. Don't put on a form of righteousness and godliness and then go off and you know, be something else that you really aren't. Come on now, smile at me out there. I'm not mad. We're just talking the truth here. Listen, if our lifestyle contradicts the Word of God, we either got to change our lifestyle or change the Word of God. Can I tell you, you're not going to change the Word of God. The Lord said, my Word is settled in heaven forever. Stop. That's it. So, we need to be different. If we want to get this thing moving along and see a greater effectiveness in our time and in our culture, church, me and you, all of us, me included, you got to be different. Amen. Not a nutcase, but different. <laughs> Amen. Number two, we need to preach boldly. We need to live differently. We need to preach boldly. Look at what Peter said. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow concerning his promises, as some count slowness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that we should perish, but that we should all come, all come to repentance. I want to tell you, I'm not in that camp that says God chooses some and he doesn't choose others. I'm in the camp that says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's my camp. That's what I really believe. God wants everyone to come to the faith. He goes on in verse 15, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, and he says that we need to consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. The reason why God is waiting is because God wants more people to be saved. God is longing and waiting for all people to come to Him and to be saved. But this cannot be done without you and me. Amen. I'll wait on you. We got to get our rear end gear on this one. This cannot be done. How, Paul says, 
How will they know unless someone is sent? And how will they hear and believe unless someone tell them? Unless someone preach to them? And the people that do that are not the guy up here yelling right now. It's all of us. Amen. Whoa, there goes my notes. Hang on. This is getting ugly. Did you feel that wind of the Spirit just now? He's saying, get windy. Talk. Tell the world. Let them know. Amen. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 24, 14. Listen to these words again. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. Notice what will happen. It will be preached. It has to be preached. It has to be preached. And he says, as a witness. What did Jesus say? And you are my witnesses in all the world. And then the end will come. Do you see that? The correlation of the coming of the Lord, the timing of God, the speeding up of the Lord has a lot to do with the church getting motivated and active, getting out there, living the lifestyle, not only declaring the truth, but demonstrating it everywhere you go. Every one of us. Amen. I love what the prophet Habakkuk said. This won't come on the screen. He says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. God said, it's going to go throughout the whole world. It's going to be glorious. People are going to catch a glimpse of my glory. And I want you to know today that the gospel is covering the earth. I just want to take a moment and take a praise break and talk about some great things. In 1970, long time ago, I was alive back then. In 1970, there were 1.2 billion Christians on the earth. As of, ni- uh, as of 2020, there are now 2.6 billion Christians on the earth. And uh, the top 20 fastest growing places where the church is really growing right now are in Asia and Africa. There are more Christians on the continent of Africa today than on any other place in, on planet earth. God is moving in Africa. God is moving in the countries of Africa. They are coming to Jesus. Yeah. Praise God. Listen, out of the top 20 fastest growing places where Christianity is really growing, 11 of them, the majority of the population are Muslim. Man, something's going on. It's happening. It's so exciting. I read here, these are the notes here, we're going to blow away on me. There are a hundred million Bibles being printed every year. 66,000 people over, uh, I guess this is worldwide, 66,000 people use the Bible app at any given second. 77% of the population on the world are reading more frequently the Bible because they have it on their devices. This is good news. This is really good news. The word's getting out. But I have bad news too. It's not really happening in North America, 
or Latin America or any of the European nations. We are on the bottom scale of the expansion of the kingdom of God. America, United States, we actually, we Butans are Americans. And Southwest Montana, you're also American. We got our work cut out for us. Amen. We have our work cut out for us. We're on the, we're on the bottom scale of this. And Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy, do the work of evangelist. Just, just be evangelizing. What does that mean? What, what is that? Do I, do I get a TikTok account and go out there and, well, if you want to, but you don't have to. I don't even know. I, I've never even seen TikTok up, up close and personal. Is that a real thing? But, or you can get online. But listen, everywhere you go, every place you live, where you work, in your neighborhood, in your home, you're on the mission field. You and I are missionaries. The other day, Sherry was telling me about how she was sharing her testimony with people and talking to them about getting baptized and giving their life back to the Lord and returning to the Lord. Everywhere, that's evangelism. That's evangelism. That's going out and telling the world and sharing what you know about Jesus with people that you know. You don't have to be this star guy or you don't have to be a person in in charge of a big ministry. But if you go there, if you get there, great. But all of us are ministers. All of us are supposed to be evangelists. Paul said to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Amen. Here's a good scripture that you guys, you and I need to get in our loom and weave it or whatever. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. The world, there's enough condemnation, fussing and fighting and division going on. Listen, our message, in a way, kind of, you know, it's, it's set apart from all the other messages, for sure. Because everybody needs Jesus and everybody needs to give their life to him. But they only know about Jesus through your testimony, through your word, through you and me. Amen. And so Peter says, everybody, be ready, be prepared. Are you ready? Amen. Are you prepared? Because we could speed this thing up or we could slow it down. But Peter said, let's speed it up. Amen. Amen. Is that good? Good news? Well, even if you don't like it, it's still good news. Let me give you a couple more here, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap this up. To, to speed the Lord's return, I want to I go to 1 Peter now. We're going to spend a couple of minutes in 1 Peter. But number three is that we need to pray consistently. We need to pray consistently. I love 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. It says, I, I love this, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, he says... Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. How many of you like that? Isn't that encouraging? The world is coming to an end. So what does he say? Spend your money 
Live it up? No. He says, first of all, let's be praying. Let's not only be evangelizing, let's not only be living a different kind of life, but let's be people who pray. And come out this Wednesday and pray. That's right there in the scripture. In, in, case, in case you missed it. Every one of us must personally, as well as corporately, give ourselves to prayer. This is our calling. Amen. We must be a praying people. Here's what Jesus taught. When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus said, do it like this. Pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. So Peter is, or Jesus taught the disciples to pray for the kingdom of God to be coming in the earth. Just, how many know things are really good in heaven? How many know there's no sickness, no death, no dying, no disease in heaven? There's no lost people in heaven. There's no confused people in heaven. Listen, there's no demonized people living in heaven. But we're living in the earth. And he says, pray for the kingdom of God to come. Here and now. Because he's coming back. But before he comes back, we need to be praying for the kingdom to come now. Come on. And we need to seek God's face and pray. So we need to do this every day of our lives. Every one of us make a commitment. Pray consistently every day of our lives. Pray consistently as a church. We struggle with prayer. I know all of us do. Anytime we start talking about this, listen, I have my struggles with prayer. I'm not going to lie to you. I, there are days I don't feel like it. There are days it's hard for me. There are days it feels like my prayers are bouncing off the ceilings. I'm not alone, right? That just because it feels that way doesn't mean that's what's really happening. And so sometimes we struggle in our prayer life because as Jesus said, your flesh is weak. Your flesh doesn't want to do that. Or sometimes our faith is weary. And our, we, our faith gets low. It reaches a low point. Or sometimes we lose our focus. Whatever the case. But we need to understand that prayer is really our answer. And here's what the Lord said. He said, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and seek my face, I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their disease. I'll bring health back to the land. But notice what he said. If. Everybody say if. So what God is showing us there in that verse of scripture is, he responds to our obedience to pray. If we will make our commitment and be consistent at it and pray, and everybody praying for your family, praying for your marriage, praying for your children, praying for your city, praying for me, you know I need it. Praying for people who are in dire straits, praying, just constantly praying. All of this prayer moves the heart of God, and he responds to it. And so we need to pray consistently, every one of us. Number four, to speed the Lord's return, we need to love deeply. We need to love deeply. First Peter chapter 4 says, the end of the world is coming. It's coming soon. So he says in verses 8 and 9, 
Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. And then he went on and said, and cheerfully share your home or be hospitable to people. With those who have a need and, and give a meal or a place to stay. And so he gives a, an example of what kind of love looks like. It's, it's hospitable. It's opening up your home and opening up your life and welcoming people in. Amen. I can come over for dinner anytime. Just, just ask me. No, I'm, I'm teasing. I love that. I love that scripture. He says, most, read this with me, most important of all. Is it up there? How come you weren't reading? Okay, read it with me. Most important of all. Stop right there. How many of you know there's nothing more important than love? I mean, prayer is important. Living different lives. It's up there. Godly, holiness. But he says most important of all. Here's one thing that never goes away. Love. The greatest of these is love. We've got to be a people who love. Not just know that you are loved. Not just love the love of God for you. But because you know you're loved. To be someone who loves. Most important of all. Now read it with me. Continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Have you, do you know anybody in your life who's got a multitude of sins? He said, love them deeply. Now that word deeply in the original language implies a runner at the very last who is stretching to hit the line first. So he says, here's what love looks like. Sometimes you got to really put all your effort and your energy and all of your guts into this thing because love is not easy. Amen. You got to go deep. You got to get you got to stretch yourself out because people got multitudes of issues. Multitudes, multitudes. Problems, problems, issues, issues. And it's going to take everything on the inside of you to love each other. I stood before a young couple up at Emma Park in the gazebo yesterday. Getting them married. I said, you guys have no idea what you're stepping into. It's not too late. No. I'm, I'm not referring to mine. I'm talking about other people that I've counseled. No. No, I mean, you know, it takes a... What, what has Julie had to go through these many years? To love me. To love me. Amen. It's going to stretch you. And I mean, you don't turn on the news, go to the social media, watch, listen, pay attention, look at what all's being said. It could get you twisted up. But church, we can't get twisted. This world needs love. And we are the, we're, like the, we're like the faucet. We're just a faucet where when you turn on the little handle, the water comes through it. God wants to pour his love through you and me. 
But we just got to be available. We got to get turned on. Amen. We have to open up our heart to love people. And so he said, love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers. Amen. Say love covers. That means, just a little cute thing here, it doesn't cancel people's significance. It covers their sins. It doesn't cancel people. And listen, before the cancel culture ever hit, I'm going to get down here with you. Before the cancel culture hit, we were canceling people all day long, all the time, who hurt us, who let us down, who rejected us, we were canceling people of color based on their color. We were canceling men. We were canceling women. We were canceling people. So let's not get all upset at the cancel culture. When we kind of were doing that, I'm not saying, I'm not putting, I'm not throwing everybody under the bus, but a lot of people held a lot of unforgiveness and bitterness and bias. And we are the church. Sons and daughters of God, filled with the love of God. So we don't cancel people. We cover. That means we don't expose them. We cover, protect, love, honor. Amen. Now, true love, listen to me. This is really important. I can't, I can't touch every nuance of this. But true love must tell the truth. It must. Because you don't love your child if you don't train and discipline them in the truth. But you love your child because you, and you want them to grow up to be people who are lovely. Amen. And so you have to tell them the truth. But we don't need to be mean-spirited or cancel people. Amen. People are standing in the sun. It's cold in here, isn't it? I got, I got one more. I got one more, and then, we'll, and then we'll close this down. In these last days, to speed the coming of the Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, we need to serve faithfully. We need to serve faithfully. So live differently, preach godly, pray consistently, love deeply, and everybody read it with me. Serve faithfully. Look at what Peter said. He said, God has given each of you a gift from, the great, from his great variety of spiritual gifts, Use them well to serve one another. Do you have a gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have a gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So here's what, here's what Peter said. Listen. God went into his storehouse. He walked you through and he pulled stuff down off of his storehouse of gifts and he gave them to you and he says, now go, give it. The gift isn't for you to hold on and celebrate for you. Your gift is for other people. Amen. Stop sitting on your gift. Amen, stop sitting on it. Put it to work. Some of you have a speaking gift. And God wants you to speak as if you were literally, physically, his mouthpiece. And that he were speaking through you. 
If you're helping, if you're serving, if you're showing up here and pulling out heavy equipment and putting it, just do it with all the energy that God's given you. If you're teaching children, if you're teaching a home group, whatever you're doing, God says everybody needs to get on board and serve. Everybody. Whatever it is. So I want to challenge you right now as we move into a new season of our church life. Get ready. Because the end of the world is soon. I'm coming right out of the Bible. He said the end of the world is soon. It's very, very close. So, be different. Amen. Live differently. Be godly. Pray consistently. Right? Love deeply and serve faithfully. Amen. Amen. Let's pray just for a second. Lord, you are so good. Thank you for your word. I pray, God, that in these last days that we're living, that, God, you would just stir the church, not just Abundant Life Fellowship, but the church of Butte, Montana, and the church of Montana, and the church in the United States of America, and in fact, Lord, all over this world. We have those that are here with us now that are from New York. We pray, God, for the church to be awakened and alive in the state and in, of New York and in the city of New York City and all of those areas and all over this world, God. We pray for a mighty move and a mighty stirring. God, I pray that we would awaken, be awakened to the fact that these are the last days. And it's soon appearing that you're going to come. And so, Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing right now. We love, we love you, God, and we want to give ourselves to you completely and fully. In Jesus' name, right where you're sitting, would you just lift your hands just with me right now as a kind of a, a sign of surrender. Just surrender right now. Just say, Lord, today's a new day, and I want to be, I want to be all that you want me to be. I want to go where you want me to go, and I just give myself to you right here, right now, afresh and anew. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.